This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Wood from Wellington, Florida. And I'm Kayla Benny from Ocala, Florida. And you're listening to the monthly breeding and horse sales episode on Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 24th. This episode is a special episode of Horses in the Morning every fourth Thursday of the month, brought to you by Total Equihealth. Good morning, Horse World. Hey, you made it to the fourth Thursday of the month on Horses in the Morning. That means it's time to talk sales and breeding. Uh, uh, of horses, that is. Coming up on today's show, Emily Wood, former host of The Jumper Show, is back again. Again! Maybe she will become a permanent fixture. Tune in to hear if I uh, propose to her by the end of this episode. We don't know. Um, we are also going to chat about summer in Florida, showing in the heat, and showing some young horses, sale horses, and we invite Audrey Anthony of Bacoy Stables and Reproduction Center, where they focus on breeding elite dressage horses through genetic matching. It may be a very moving interview. Tune in. And we do realize that Emily's sound quality may not be the best. We are going to get that sorted by the next episode. So this is my actually official proposal. Emily, will you please be my co-host most of the time? Thank oh you. Oh my gosh. You're <laughs> oh so my gosh. Cute. Yes, I accept. I accept and I need a microphone. And I will give you a microphone. And by oh. I, I mean Glenn. Glenn and the Horse Radio Network will give you a microphone. We can, we can do a marriage announcement with the microphone. Well, how have you been? How is Welly World now that season has closed down? And are you guys like, are horses still booming down there? I mean, it is like the show still goes on. They moved the jumpers over to global under the covered. Um, plenty of people do stay down here. Business continues, but I mean, like three quarters of the population leaves. So like wow. all of a sudden you're like, wow, I didn't realize that I only lived 1.2 miles away from the barn. Cause it took 25 minutes, you know, <laughs> when yeah. everybody was down here. Yeah. <laughs> school buses and whatever all of a sudden you can go and eat places and like you there's like no lines and yeah it's a little weird for sure there's a transition the horse stuff is going though i mean i, I i've been really fortunate uh i know things slowed down a little bit um with the economy um but my i, I had two sold last month i got a couple more in the works and i uh, i can't really complain it is hot i yep. could complain a little bit about the heat <laughs> um it just seems a little hot a little early right I mean, um, yeah, too, huh? well, we we're really hot up up here and we just started our first uh, week of circuit this last week. And, um, you know, the warm ups got a lot shorter. The rides in between showing, you know, got a lot shorter because it's just so freaking hot. Um, and I. Like, luckily, the World Equestrian Center is really lovely. They've got places to stand with shade. Um, 
they've got some indoors that are air conditioned. But also when it's so hot like that, you go into the air conditioning, it's freezing. Yeah. <laughs> so first world problem. So first world yeah. problem, though, you know, you're just like, I'm like, oh, I'm riding at this top class world uh, equestrian center, but I have to go into the air conditioning and I get cold. I yeah, know, I it really want to shocking. Yeah, no, I want to slap myself though. I'm um, like on your side with that, so you know, your baby horses are still doing doing well, being baby horses. They are. They're being baby horses. Uh, the little four month old filly had to have her temperature taken. Um, oh, no. Yes. So yes, she. I don't know if I said this when she was born. I mean, she's sassy. She's you, really sassy. Yeah. Yeah. Like Does she have a time, name? We've named her Bright Eyes. Okay. Which is right. going to be on her uh, passport. My aunt actually named her. But um, she, uh, the first day I met her, I went in to go pet her and she kicked me in the leg like immediately. You did tell me that. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> okay, this is great. This yay babies. Yay um, you. I can't even imagine our guest, Audrey, with uh, all that she's got going on. I mean, even but just a couple babies is, is a lot. But no, she's good. She did. And, and the vet did get her temperature taken. I mean, not the end of the little baby that you want to be on. Nope. Uh, that's for that, sure. That has she's, a natural tendency to wabush. Yep. Yep. But no, she's good. I mean, she's going to be weaned here, gosh, in like a month and then she'll go North. She'll go uh, near Anthony, Florida, which is kind of up close by y'all. Yep. And uh, the other guys or the other two year olds are up there right now. And then I have the other horses that are supposed to be adult horses. Um, You know, I keep letting them know they're five. It's time. It's adulting yeah. time. It's adulting time. You now have a stall. They're just like, they're, they're get. I think by circuit, everything should be, I should kind of have them all, I hope, subdued and like deferraled. The last baby that I've started was, was my own, was, was Millie. And she's always been, she just kind of gets it. Like whatever it is, you're like, Hey, by the way, today you're learning how to lunge. She's like, okay. And That's you nice. know, and so I, you know, you have little moments where you're like, okay, like today I ha- wasn't able to ride her for the last four days. Cause it's just been so hot. And I just, by the end of the day, I'm like, I don't want to ride a four-year-old. And mm-hmm. so she's had a couple extra days and then I got on her, no lunging, went in the ring and she's a little feisty and, and whatnot. And, but then I'm like, Hey, by the way, today you're feisty. We have no left lead. Um, we're going to can of rails and we're going to do numbers in between those rails. And, you know, it took her one or two lines and then all of a sudden she's like, okay, got it. You know, we're oh, counter cantering around the turn because we don't have a left lead for some reason this, this week. Um, <laughs> you but- love that and you're like, why is that? Yeah. Why was it there and now it's not there? Well, wh- where did that? it go? <laughs> exactly. Freaking liars. And, you know, I'm up. <laughs> telling my working student, I just like got finished telling her. I was like, sometimes they're going to throw all their toys out of the box and you just have to keep going. You have to not get upset about it. She's writing my other four-year-old that we have. And oh I'm like, and sometimes you just have to like keep going and just balance them and just keep going. And eventually they will put their own toys back in their toy box. Um, and you know, and then meanwhile, I'm like, we have no left lead canter today. So I guess we're just going to, and then she's like trying to grab the bit, tossing her head, kind of going <laughs> sideways. And I'm like, we're going to the pole. And then finally, after two lines, she's like, 
got it. So we're going to the pole regardless of what I'm doing. Uh, I should probably stay balanced and not fall on my face. And I'm like, that would be delightful. Uh, yeah. Self-preservation. We love <laughs> yeah. that in young yeah. horses. Yeah. If we could put that into the breeding requirements. I know. Because some of them, you're just like, you guys, like, well, we're, we're just going to both fall down together. You're just refused. You're just going like, to yank on yep. my hands through the corner the whole way. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty oh much. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's good. So you got a good one. Well, yes. I saw your other horse. You've got a couple big horses jumping, don't you? Didn't you do I- a... A night class or something recently? I did um, the future pre. So the first week, yeah. So the first week back showing after a three month break, um, I did a 130 to warm up and then a 135 that did not go fantastic. We had three rails. Um, and he, it was just more getting the motions of getting back in the ring. And, uh, you know, he was kind of like, I'm not listening. And I'm like, I think I'm getting my work done. No, I'm not. And then, but we were able to put it together and the future pre he jumped amazing. He left everything up. We had four time faults cause I'm a slow poke. Um, but I honestly feel like I couldn't have gone any faster and left up the rails. So, right. and uh, there were only eight double cleans and then I was one of three with time and the rest, everybody else in there was, uh, 50 in my class had, had rails. So of, that's of great. Various amounts. And it was not, you would think the first week would be a little bit like, Hey, welcome. Welcome to no. back showing. No, they're like, y'all no. better bump down a level. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I think everybody <laughs> had their, right? <laughs> everybody had their Grand Prix horses for, <laughs> later on in the circuit and like meanwhile I'm like hey I brought this horse up from a six-year-old and we're, we're finally at this level and I'm so excited to be here no he <laughs> doesn't have a lead change so let's obviously do rollbacks to s-curves because why not oh congratulations that's Thank exciting I, I do keep keep up as I can I'm not as good a stalker as you but <laughs> as, I'm practicing <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty good at stalking people so it's great you're a but good cyber stalker be- it's a good quality speaking of cyber stalking we should probably get to our guest and uh I've already done some major cyber stalking I know where she lives I know what she breeds <laughs> oh yes so this I'm super excited Yep. No, she is going to, we have a bunch of questions for her. This is our guest for today. We have Audrey Anthony of Bacoy Stables, Cattle and Repro. Before we get to our first guest, let's chat a little bit about Total EquiHealth. Are you interested in your horse's wellness? Do you know what is in the products you feed and use on your horses? At Total EquiHealth, we have sought out and selected quality products that aid in their fitness and health and benefit their performance. The products we carry aren't just for the elite sport horse, but for every horse with a health-conscious owner. Be sure to also check out our rider section. Check us out today at TotalEquiHealth.com. And Emily, so we have a highlighted Total EquiHealth Equidu Moment product, and we also have a lovely code 10% off for the listeners. It's called, it's HRN, just capital H, capital R, capital N. And today's highlighted product is actually um, a nourishing face cream by Cebu, which is a all natural USDA organic sea buckthorn omega-7 um, they have a whole supplement and skincare line, but their face cream is delightful. So 
I know you are in Florida. I'm in Florida. The sun kills our skin. And I don't know about you, but since I've only lived here for about a year now, my skin is thirsty. Like it soaks up like all the, all the creams, all the everything. But I also break out really badly and to, to certain face creams. And this cream is both lightweight and hydrating. It, comes from sea buckthorn oil and the sea berry. Um, so it's like from the Himalayas or whatever, but it smells delightful. It's all natural. Like all the ingredients are, are right there and it has this beautiful citrusy scent. Um, and it pairs really well. They have their seed oil for sensitive skin, which is prone. Like if you're prone for flare ups or breakouts um, and it just really it has a deep hydrating feeling um, and it's, it's great. Like I don't break out and it's super affordable. A whole um, jar is twenty four ninety five. It's in the shop rider section under everyday health, or it'll be added to our new featured section. So anything that we talk about on the show will be in the featured section. So you can just go straight there Um Try to make it super simple and use the code HRN to get 10% off. Welcome to the show, Audrey. Thank you, guys. I'm really excited to be here. So, Audrey, you are in Ocala, Florida, um, and I actually just Googled your farm, and you're literally five minutes from where I train out of. Um, So I'm going to have to come over and see all these babies um, yeah, I'll ma- be very happy to have you. <laughs> how many babies do you have? And can I steal one? And I will just walk it down the road back to my farm. Well, you can steal probably any of the babies. Um, there is a fee that goes with it. Um, oh, darn it. <laughs> but, but, uh, we fold, we fold out about 37 this year. And, um, I also breed my own, so that doesn't include my own, but we did about 37 client foals this year. It's so crazy because you, I, I, I remember Audrey, she and I met uh, quite a few years ago down here in Wellington when, when y'all had the farm down here. Uh, I didn't think it had been so many years. I was, and I know I had my health struggles, but all of a sudden I was mm-hmm. like, dang, they have a lot yeah. of babies. Like this is like a yeah. huge operation and, and such big bloodlines and all kind of, I mean, we'll, we'll get into all the nitty gritty. I mean, y'all are doing really high tech stuff there. Yeah, you know, um, so I actually only moved up here from Wellington about a year and a half ago, but um, my mentor in Wellington, Dr. Aaron Newkirk, she got me with my current mentor, Dr. Louis Cadena, and he kind of really helped me get my vision into reality. So we really hit the ground running when we got up here. Uh, so we were, be, we were able to open our doors really fast and were able to provide the kind of care we wanted thanks to him and and uh, all my craziness. <laughs> I know that's tough, y'all, with the babies, too. I'm like, it's sort of like an illness. Yeah. Uh, oh, it is. <laughs> you were competing, though, weren't you, before? Was your, your switch to repro, uh, over what course of time did that happen? Um, so I was competing pretty heavily uh, when I came up here. So I've taken about a year off. I am actually gearing up to get back in the show ring now. Um, so I'm really excited about that. A little worried about juggling both, but you know, I think it's 
really important to have both camp, you know, components when you have a breeding program to kind of stay in the know and stay in the trends and everything. So that is where I'm going to be headed. But yeah, when you met me, I was doing, um, mostly showing. I remember you had a nice stallion. Yes, nice, I still nice have him. Stallion. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, he's still here. He still breeds. Um, I am going to hopefully be getting him back in the show ring, too. He's just 13, so he still has oh, a lot of years of, of, of me torturing him in the show ring. So. <laughs> he's got plenty left, he's, plenty left. Yeah, yeah. So he, do, he's not, he's not going to get off that easily. <laughs> no, 13, he's got to keep going, absolutely. Uh, if he wants yeah. three, three square meals on the roof and all of it. Um, did, exactly. What do you do with yours? I saw that you are you you doing the repro embryo transfers. Mm-hmm. All of these, everything is very high tech. And some I see you selling, and then some I guess you keep at home. Do you develop them up through? Is that the, that the idea? Uh, up through the ranks for yourself, and then for sale later. Or are you really trying to sell them in that full weanling under yearling market? So a little bit of both. Um, we just broke ground last week actually on our training center, which will be 28 stall barn with a covered arena, which will give me more opportunity to take them from, you know, folds up until FEI. Um, but I have kept some of them. I have, you know, one that's actually just getting starting under saddle. That's a, a Franklin's Govan Raphael cross. And then I have sold a lot of foals and I've kept some foals for myself. I'm pretty much trying to keep as many fillies as I can, just, you know, thinking about the future and being able to continue my, my breeding program and still competing them with some embryo transfers and then selling the colts. So they kind of make the decision for me, which ones are going to stay and which ones are going to go, but they make it, they make it hard, <laughs> especially when they're cute <laughs> and young. <laughs> Oh yeah. They're all adorable, right? Do you primarily, so when you say showing, just so our listeners understand a little bit more, primarily dressage or jumpers? What, where do you guys focus, uh, sport and your breeding program? Yeah. So my personal breeding program is dressage. I compete dressage. Um, but our clientele, we've had Pasofinos, Arab saddlebreds, thoroughbreds, all kinds of clientele here. So it's actually been really exciting to kind of also venture off and learn about the other pedigrees. But me personally, I'll, I'll stick with the dressage and, um, but we're open to anybody coming and letting us do their, their repro or their training. Fantastic. And your stallion, I'm on your website right now, uh, stalking you. That's comforting. <laughs> yeah. Now I know where you live. And, yeah, um, <laughs> but, um, so he's, um, his name's Ecuador and yes. tell us a little bit more about him. Like, did he come from overseas? Like, how did you end up with him? He's an Andalusian. Yes. He's a Pura Rosa Española, which is a PRE. Um, which is basically the purest, you know, Andalusian blood that you can get. They just gave it kind of a fancy name. Um, so everyone knows that they're fancy. Yeah. Um, but I actually got him on a fluke. Um, my father was, you know, going around the internet and found a video of him and said, I think this is your horse. And I was like, I don't know, (laughs) kind of like warm bloods. (laughs) Um, but he's really, really special. He moves like a warm blood. He's got a really fantastic personality. He's really just a great horse. And 
he's really special in his background. He was bred by Alvaro Domecq in Spain. And so he was imported here from Juarez. Um, and he is, there is not a lot of Alvaro Domecq horses available here in the United States. And he is the only one that is standing at stud. So it's really, really special to learn about his heritage and his pedigree because he's got some bullfighting in there. He's got a Grand Prix horse in there and just, you know, the history of Alvaro Domecq and the, you know, Royal Andalusian school is really, really beautiful. And so he's really special in a lot of different angles and, you know, it's really an honor to kind of be able to ride him and compete him and, you know, stand him at stud myself. So, um, yeah, he's, he's really great. And, and people have to see him in person to really appreciate that mane. Oh my God. Yeah. He's outrageous. I know he's like the Barbie dream horse. Like you have to like bra- braid it. Like you have to braid it. Like, it's not like optional. Like you need to braid all that, you know, when you're like working and practicing. Oh yeah. My, my, it, it is the vein of my groom's existence. <laughs> and he's gray. <laughs> he's beautiful. Yeah. He's so- is he the one that you are that you stand primarily? Do you have other stallions uh, there? Yeah, so we he is my my own stallion that I stand, but we also stand stallions here for clients. So, and we have, you know, again, we've had a variety. We have a thoroughbred, we have a quarter horse. You know, we we kind of have a warm blood. We have uh, a really fun group of stallions that are here. They all have their own fun personalities, and you know, we welcome anybody that has any kind of stallion and we do all the marketing for them. We do the PR and um, we're happy to show mayor owners, the horses. So, you know, and it's been really fun because of a really great relationship with all the stallion owners. So I actually had somebody come in to breed to my stallion. And when I saw their mayor, you know, I told them, I said, I think, you know, I think the stallion down the hall might be better for you. And when they saw him, they agreed. And, you know, so it's been really great because I can just call up the stallion owner and say, Hey, I got somebody here that, you know, we're going to go out and collect your stallion. They're like, great, let's do it. <laughs> so it's, um, it's really fun because you kind of get involved with them. Like they're kind of your own. So I actually really enjoy standing the stallions, uh, for owners too. Oh yeah. That's gotta be such an experience. Normally, you know, you pay a stud fee and three other people degrees of separation and then the horse goes to the clinic and all this, but to be able to go to, a location that actually has the horses there. That's really an exceptional experience. Yeah. You know, and that was something I was really, really kind of strict on when I was doing this reproduction center. You know, I said, well, if I do this, I want to have a training center because my whole goal with this business is to kind of have a personal care and personal touch and everything I do. And I realized owning a stallion myself, how awful it is that you're, you know, you have to sometimes pick, well, do I ride him today or do I make the money on the stallion collection and then drive him, you know, to the, to the, you know, get him collected, put him back in the trailer. So I was like, I really want to offer this so people can have these high performance stallion horses and, and, um, mares as well, that they can do their repro where they're training and they don't have to go through the stress of being trailered, you know, sometimes four or five six times a month, you know, yeah. for some of these active stallions. And I mean, that's hard on them. Oh yeah, totally. No, that is a lot. That's really amazing uh, to have them just cut out all that extra stress. It's already stressful breeding season. And you do see a lot of top stallions and mares uh, get retired from competition early, specifically for the breedings, because it does take mm-hmm. such a toll on them. And uh, it's, they, they could, 
go a little longer. They could keep shining in the sport, you know, win a few more medals, whatever accolades that they're getting. No, that's, that's really, that's very interesting. I had no idea that you were actually standing them there as well. I'm terrified to ask, but what does your foaling season look like? Um, our foaling fee, our, our foaling fee, our foaling season, um, looked about as scary as it sounds. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was an experience. Terrifying. Uh, uh, yeah, I tried to do most of it myself, the full watch. And actually Dr. Cadena was like, you're going to burn yourself. I was like, no, it's going to be fine. And it's a baby. Yeah, it's going to be totally fine. I'll do it myself and I'll just call you and they're falling. He's like, okay, we'll see how long this lasts. And about (laughs) three quarters of the way through. And I was like, you know, when you told me I was going to burn myself out, he's like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm this two hours of sleep and working, you know, 22 hours a day. He's like, oh yeah, you're tired, huh? Like, yes, I am. (laughs) So it was, it was rough. I would wake up workhorses you know, do all the day stuff, you know, stallions would come in to collect. We'd have mayors coming in to be checked. We'd have our residents. So he would be doing rounds on our residents. And then around six, seven, eight o'clock, the day starts to trickle down and I would take a shower and then start watching the cameras and doing night checks. And I would be up, you know, all night. And it just got to the point that I was like, okay, I need help. So we, we grew in about three or four staff members because yeah, it was, it was just too much. And, um, I'm grateful cause I, you know, I could offer better care being alert and not completely just burnt out. I could, you know, if there was an emergency, I was, I was alert and I was ready. I wasn't just running on fumes and coffee, you know? Totally. So yeah. you learn. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You do learn. There's a learning curve. That's a big yeah, operation, but... Audrey. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm really, I'm really proud and excited of what we've, what we've kind of are starting to build here. And I'm even more excited about where this is going and, you know, the vision I have for it, you know, three and five years down the line, even just a year from now, what it's going to look like. So I just want to keep going and keep growing. (laughs) Yeah. Now explain the, Emily mentioned something to me off air about, so you have, you're kind of picking things through genetic testing as well or explain that process. So when it comes to breeding, it all, it all started that I kind of look at breeding as kind of a, a, a scientific research. You know, you have your hypothesis, your variables, your results and your, you know, your possibilities. And I think the biggest mistake people do in breeding is they just say good stallion, good mare, good foal. And that's just not always the case. You have to have so many variables and look at so many things to truly breed something that is spectacular. You know, you have to look at pedigrees. You need to, it's not just about looking what's on paper because genetics, it it can't lie. You know, you can look at a stallion that has a long back and you're like, well, I'll breed that to a short backed mare. And all of a sudden, you know, it doesn't work out because that stallion might not throw what it looks like, you know, just because that stallion moves a certain way or is built a certain way doesn't genetically mean that that's what they're going to throw. So I always tell people to really look at every variable and be as honest as they can with the animal that they own themselves. So if I own the mare, of course, I think that that mare is wonderful and perfect, but 
And that's not really the case. We have to look at the mayor and look at all of the parts of that mayor that could be improved. And that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with that mayor. It just needs to be improved. And then you need to find a stallion that consistently throws something that improves that. So that doesn't mean what it looks like or what their pedigree shows, what they throw. So that's kind of what we help the owners do. We break down those variables and we kind of tell them, yes, opposites attract. Find me your five stallions that you just love and, you know, you think they're perfect for your mayor. And we help them kind of look at everything. What's on paper? What's in, what's in their genetics? What's in their characteristics? What's in their talent? And we kind of help them pick the stallion that is best suited for their mayor. Because, again, good and good doesn't always mean good. And it, I think it's really hard for people to wrap their mind around that, you know. So that's a little bit something different we're doing for the owners. Um, and what I'm personally breeding is, I mean, each mare and stallion combination can take days and weeks. You know, we study the, the stallion auctions. We're selling the, the stallion testings. We're looking at what these stallions are doing when they're three and four years and five years old and when they start breeding and what they're producing so that we can tell people exactly what they're kind of getting into. Um, so I think that's really something unique about our program. Absolutely. That is very unique. Yeah. Most people, yeah, you, you just don't have that option. You have semen brokers, essentially. Yeah. And then yeah. you can sometimes have your papers approved at certain registries, pre-approved, whatever, if you're determined to do that. But, yeah, it's it, people are kind of out there on their own. And, unfortunately, then we have a percentage of horses that are genetically compromised. Uh, maybe it's... yeah. Uh, they're prone to whatever lameness ailments, different, different things. When you're breeding Audrey for your personal program, do you have, mm -hmm. are, is there a certain thing? Are you breeding specifically more for temperament? Do you have a line that you prefer? Obviously you stand your stallion, so you're probably somewhat biased to him. <laughs> um, so when I breed my own horses, I can say that my concentration is in performance in general, and that requires good talent. That requires good temperament. That requires trainability. You know, I try to look at all of those things. And of course, movement is, you know, I think people always don't want to admit they look at movement because, you know, they say, oh, I want something that's rideable and trainable. Well, that's a politically correct answer. But I do look at movement. I do have a very specific horse that I enjoy to ride and that I enjoy to look at. So I do look at that and, and, you know, I want a stallion that breeds to my mare to, to check out those boxes. And I think it, thanks to the Hagerstrands and Shockamoles and, and all these mass stallion owners, we have, there are so many stallions that are available to us. I think we can, as breeders, be picky now and we can find the perfect match for our mare. We don't have to say, well, there's only six stallions really available that kind of meet somewhat what I'm looking for. So I'll go with the closest match. You can find exactly what you need. It just takes time and a lot of work. And I think the average mayor owner just doesn't even know how to go about it. You know, so I'm looking at really something that I, and again, this might not be the politically correct answer, but I'm looking at the FBI ring. I want to always breed for the top. I want a horse that, 
is going to come out built to do the Grand Prix because they think then their future is just going to be easier. And that doesn't mean they have to do the Grand Prix. They don't have to be an FEI horse. But if you set them up for success, no matter where they go in life, they're going to have the best the best chance to be the best horse possible, you know? So that's kind of, I I, I try to, yeah, exactly. So it's try to just do right by them in that, in that sense. And my personal preferences, I kind of also put in there. (laughs) (laughs) But um, your, your question on the lines is I love the Pharaoh line. I think they're so talented. They are a little nutty. So, and I can say that because I own a Pharaoh son. Um, and I just try to match them with really good-minded mares. But I think that their ability to collect, their beauty, their confirmation is really, it is just, you can look at a horse and say, oh, that's got to be a Pharaoh. You know, and the same thing with the Sandro hits. They're really difficult to ride sometimes, the Sandro hits. But you can look at them and say, oh, that's, that's probably a Sandro hit. So, I like lines like that. I like lines that come across and you can tell that that stallion sired that horse because you know what you're getting. You know, the ones you look at that you're like, huh, I wonder who sired that one. You can, you know, our Sardana Hall across the, across the ring usually. So that's kind of what I look like is really strong lines. And is that what you would recommend if you have, we, and, and I mean, it is like getting really popular right now in this country. It seems like everybody's got a few babies. Um, what advice would you give mayor owners who are looking for a stallion to breed to is where should they start? What, what should they do to not have what we all know that we don't want? <laughs> I'll try to not say anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. It's always, it's always hard to thing. kind of be politically correct. Yeah. Setting me up for that. <laughs> yeah. Great. I'll be the bad guy. No, (laughs) I think the easy answer is you start, you know, at the Hagestrand and the Shockamall. And, you know, if you go locally, the Hilltop, stuff like that. I think the difficult answer and the answer that I like to tell people is you start at the the stallion testing, you know, you start at the stallion auctions and, you know, my, you know, I've bred a lot to Franklin and that's where I saw him and, and kind of fell in love with him was when he was doing his testing. I think you see a lot more realness in those situations. You know, once they're five, six, seven years old, so many mechanics can be manipulated and taught to the horse that you necessarily just because a horse breaks over level and is, you know, extravagant at eight years old doesn't mean that he at you know, three and four, he had those mechanics. So I really like to look at them at that age so that you can really truly see how they move and, and, and their personalities as well, because training can really change their personalities for the better and for the worse. So I always tell stallion owners to kind of start there. And that doesn't mean that you can't breed to a stallion that's, you know, 15 years old, but try to go as far back as possible. So you see the stallion at its rawest and at kind of it's, it's most feral point is the best point to look at a stallion. And, um, I think then at, at, at that point you have a really good true picture of what you're breeding to. That's that actually really good advice. And, the um, when you were talking about that too, I was just thinking like, if the, 
the stallion's older, you could also, if it's older, it has a lot of, hopefully, a lot of foals on the ground. Mm-hmm. So you could look at, you know, what it's throwing and what they look like raw. Yes, the mare, you know, provides a lot of that. But a lot, what I'm noticing, and I could be wrong, is the stallions throw a lot more of the movement, at least for the jumpers, it seems like you can look across the ring, like you're saying, and be like, oh, that's a Chaco Blue. You know, it's slightly spooky, but it jumps really well. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe not the most amateur-friendly horse, but, and like, you can time and time again be like, that's a Chaco Blue, that's a Chaco Blue, that's a this and that. You know, the mares do complement and and everything, but you you tend to see a lot more traits of the stallion come out. So if the if you can't find an older stallion, like find footage from, you can at least look at the babies and be like, okay, that and watch like ten of them and see, be like, that's all very consistent. Yes. Well, absolutely. You know, it's like, well, I'll go back to Franklin since, you know, I've, I've, I have used him a bunch, you know, his, his sire on pier. I mean, it's, you can consistently kind of know and look at the umpire sons and you kind of, they are kind of, you know, all, all kind of look the same. If you put them in a line, they all kind of move really neat and cool and people really like it. And, um, one thing you said that I thought was really something I wanted to kind of you know, bullet point on is, is the mayor influence on the breeding? I think a lot of people don't consider the mayor. They, they just, and I think, and I don't think that's anything wrong with the industry. I just think because embryo transfer is kind of a, a new, you know, more affordable. So more people are doing it. Mayors never really got a big name because they had to, to be pregnant. So you, uh, you kind of lost, the hype of the mare in the world of breeding. But I think that people really have to consider their mares a lot more than I I really think people do. That's what I was going to say with the stallions. I I'm like a bit of a breeding nerd myself. And I think the reason that those heavy hitting stallions type out so hard is because of their mothers. It's their mother Mm -hmm. line. And then that shines through. Um, But they, but you do, you see the, the type of, the stallion typing out, but I mean, the mares really, uh, I remember when I was going to stall Ramsbrock, I would go to Germany every, every summer and they had tons of horses there. He had big top breeding farm. He stood corner Oblensky back in the day when he was younger. Um, but whatever we would go shopping, there'd be like 15 geldings or stallions. And we're like, where are all the mares? And he's like, what are you crazy? I'm not selling any of the mares. They're all the breeding shed. That's, that's where the money is. That's, you know, where they influence. But it's so, it's such an enigma in this country. People are, we're not sure. I know. No, no. And I always, I always find that really kind of crazy that people are obsessed with the stallions, the stallions, the stallions, the stallions. Yeah, but I honestly have always told people that the stallion is just the fudge on the Sunday. Your mayor is the ice cream, you yeah. know, that is your foundation. And cause that's, who's going to raise your foal. So, yeah. you know, personality traits, you know, yeah. just being spooky, not spooky. You know, you have a, a, a mare that's nasty and it's raising a foal. Cause you see it in surrogacies. When you have surrogates that have certain little personality quirks, we will nine times out of 10, this foal is not even related to them genetically. And they'll pick up those personality traits from their surrogates oh, yeah. and their recess. So it's so true. It's really, 
it really blows I my mind when people are like, oh, it's just a brood mare. <laughs> yeah, right? No, they matter. Totally, totally. Yeah, no, I've experienced that too. But And then, and then genetics, yeah. of course, play into a big part of it. But yeah, no, the raising yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, so you all can find Audrey online at bookoystables.com. Uh, we also did before we let her go want to discuss uh this cattle operation that's oh, happening yes, yes. <laughs> what every time not only are there baby horses popping out left and right but then there's baby cows and they're all getting their own photo shoots and like it's just sort of like really like you know like it's just a different kind of operation i feel like for cattle <laughs> you know um i can almost say when i left wellington i had no idea i would get into cattle um but I love them. Like they're so funny and they're human like, and they're really great. And I kind of got them to keep the the grass down. And all of a sudden I kind of saw this other world of breeding and, you know, we, we do some show cows and the, the confirmation talk and really like listening to these cattle breeders. I mean, they're, they're just as nutty as us horse people. Like they get just as (laughs) obsessed with their, their bulls and their heifers and their cows. And, you know, I, I just really, I love making a better animal every time I breed it. And, um, I love setting them up for success. And that's kind of what I've done with my cows. And I just really enjoyed it. And I, I sell them to show homes. I don't sell anything to beef and, um, I keep the really good ones. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of building my, are you like doing the same thing? You're like, finding like the right bull and then being like, this one has like, you know, genetic traits yeah. and like whipping out papers and like, like how much thought is going into the breeding of, of the cattle? Um, I guess a not lot as much as the horses. Show. Not as much as the, as the horses. Is, yeah. Yeah. What? No, but um, I have, I have my own bull. So he thankfully <laughs> does a lot of the work for me. Um, but I do have a couple of really, really good cows that I was like, wow, those are, really great. And I, I will be AIing them, uh, to some other bull. Not that I don't love my bull, but, um, he's more of a heifer bull. So he's a little bit smaller. So, um, I got a couple really good ones that have had their first calf. So I might and be venturing off into the business of buying uh bull semen. <laughs> so what, that'll be a new one for me. <laughs> what breed of bulls do you use? Um, uh, mostly, I mostly have Angus, um, got a couple Brahma and two Charlays. Um, oh, but my mo- my main focus is, uh, Angus. And so the Angus are the ones you show, like, do people show mm-hmm. the Brahma bulls? Um, they'll show Brahmas. They, sh- they, they can really show any breed, but, um, I specifically, I really, I really love the black Angus. They're, you know, people say, oh, they're, they're kind of aggressive sometimes. And so are the Brahmas, but I really like them. And, you know, I, the, the herd I got was actually very feral. They were not friendly cows. They were not show broke by any means. They were kind of picked out of a field and dropped here. And, um, I can groom them now. I halter broke them and they're show, you know, showing or doing whatever. And okay. So like what my, I'm my hearing, <laughs> what I'm hearing is that we need to have you back on just to literally talk about the cows and I know yes. <laughs> this is a whole other operation this I know is... I told y'all I was like Audrey's oh my doing God. a lot it's where it's oh gonna be hard God. to fit it all in but I, 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 I can't help myself <laughs> it's amazing I love it 
All right. So we can find you on BakoyStables.com. You also have a Facebook and an Instagram, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And do you have a separate site for your cows? Or where can we find more uh, cow information? <laughs> I don't have a website yet because, like I said, it's a fairly new, crazy thing that I'm doing. Um, but I have a Facebook and an Instagram for Bakoy Cattle. Um, but the you know you can always just call me here at the at the center, and I'm always happy to talk about horses or cows. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna have Audrey back on for sure. We've got many Absolutely. other topics to cover, and do check out the Facebook because there there are a lot of photos of the baby cows even when they're born. Calves, yeah. <laughs> they are calves when they're born. Yes, yes, calves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're so cute, and she names them all and everything. It's just like wow. Like a whole yes. kind of I, they all have their names. They all have their personalities. It's like a lot of them. I'm on it right now. Oh my gosh. Kayla's stalking. Again. Oh my gosh, I'm stalking again. <laughs> she can't when when you find me at the end of your driveway, just camped out. I'm like, I want to see baby cows and baby. Oh my cows. god, I know they are oh really cute. Okay. Oh, I could talk about this all day long. All right, we have to wrap. But thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we really, this is fascinating. I'm Hugely, (laughs) yeah, so much good information. My gosh, we're super excited beforehand. And now we're even more excited with even more questions. But people. Oh, well, that's great. I had so much fun and I am happy to come on anytime you guys want. I, I love sharing information and talking to to like-minded people it's it's always a pleasure thank you so much we'll talk to you soon girl and good luck with foaling and calving (laughs) thank you guys so much i appreciate it well that was a great interview with audrey anthony wow did we learn so much and still have so many more questions i have so many questions i need more cow information (laughs) (laughs) i know what is wrong with this it's turned into a cattle show i know i literally when she was like i now i go to cow shows i was like what and then sounds halters and stuff yeah i need to (laughs) well now that i know that she's so close to me i'm going (laughs) i'm going yeah i believe you i i can i believe you a thousand percent ever since we booked we booked our guests we have been hot on this cattle trail i know i'm like baby horses are great these cows they really are so cute though no and i love that they're show cows because i always feel bad with the beef cows yeah yeah so well where can uh listeners find you emily you guys can find me on Facebook, Emily Wood. I am Stella Farm LLC on Insta and S Equestrian, which is spelled E-C-E EquestrianCo.com or also on Facebook. That's the clothing line. So you can pretty much get me everywhere. The most fantastic show shirts, by the way. Yeah, you're so cute <laughs> and you look so cute in them. Um, and you can find me on Facebook under Kayla Benny. Uh, or Selkuth Sport Horses, SelkuthSportHorses.com. That's S-E-L-C-O-U-T-H SportHorses.com. Um, you can find the links to today's guests and show notes at HorsesInTheMorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just sort search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all the Horse Radio Network shows where, with you wherever you go. Oh, my gosh. I have word vomit. I can't do this tonight. It's, okay. it's probably sunstroke. You're probably <laughs> I, fine. I need sunstroke. more hydrating serum uh, for my brain. Okay. You 
can have all the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app from iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Thank you to our title sponsor, Total Equihealth. Visit TotalEquihealth.com. That's E-Q-U-I Health.com. Search all the fabulous products there. And remember, riding like life doesn't need to be perfect to be wonderful. Give your horse a pat after every ride. Hey, guys, I'm going to join you in the post show. We're doing a post show for the auditors. Hi, auditors. Um, Hi. So, so I have a question for Kayla. Uh-oh. Why the hell is it that they're doing a summer circuit in Florida where it's a thousand freaking degrees every day, and you guys aren't riding in the air-conditioned indoor arenas? You know, we were actually asking ourselves that the I other mean, day. couldn't so- you do the full jumping course? They're, those arenas are huge. Yes, yeah, so they they are using the indoors. Um, so all the hunters are in the indoors, and I'm not going to offend anyone, so I'm not going to voice my opinion on that. But um, okay. the well, they're a little uh, bit of pansy ish, so that's probably why they're <laughs> they, in there. They need to I can be say that. Yeah, yeah, because they never fabric. wave jackets, so right? that's <laughs> yeah. so they would pass out if they were outside. <laughs> yeah, it's like a liability. <laughs> they have waved the jackets for the jumpers out in the yeah. the the outside rings, but and then they do have one jumper ring, so all the small classes, so like. Point eighties, point nineties, I think up to a meter are inside, um, and they have the point six fives, and um, but they, so those are inside. But the problem is, Glenn, is they're not very wide, so they're huge. But you got to think that they have um, walkways on either side of those buildings. Yeah, and I and mean, I've been friends. in them, and I've seen dressage shows in there. But yeah. you could get away. I can, I see what you're saying, but so how are you guys not talk- dying? Oh my God, I was dying the other day. My poor horse had like sweat streaming down him after I was done in, in one of my warm up classes. It was like a, a, a little waterfall off of his belly. And I was like, okay, we got to get, luckily we have stalls and they're right next to the ring. So I was like, we got to get out. And they are air conditioned, in. right? Yes. Is yeah. that good so, for the horses coming in and out? That's what I'm saying is you got to be careful going in and out. And those they're such top athletes. And if they're going to train out in the heat like that, yep. they need to be a little bit out there. And it's a bit of a shock to the system. I mean, I'm no, sure they don't good keep it them. super cold in there, though. No. no. So the indoors themselves are colder than the barns. The barns, gotcha. they leave the doors open. So even though it's air conditioned, it's not like fully air conditioned right. like it's still it's it's a happy medium between the two it's like having so, your windows open in the car and your air conditioner going at the same time yeah yeah, yeah exactly. so it's oh, nice so a little waste i mean <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say can you imagine what their electric <laughs> bill must be every? yeah this is america we do what we want um, oh my God. <laughs> the electric bill has to be more than all of us have ever made in our lifetime every month i'm sure i'm sure oh my gosh. good lord like yeah no we we cannot when you're competing there, you cannot complain about costs because because they spare no expense. So you know that your dollars are going to like you know just the electric bill Hoarding probably the at the yeah, yeah. Um, you know and they have fans under like some you know those big ass fans like yeah. the brand yeah they have they everywhere. have 
they have them everywhere. They have them in the stands. Um, they have them in the overhangs that you can stand under while you're waiting to go into the warm up. And we have started. I didn't do it this last week because um, I kind of thought of it after the fact. But we probably are going to warm up in the indoors um, yeah. and then come out and then do our jumping outside. Like we'll go do our trotting and and start to canter in the indoor because it's right there. And then like it's like a five minute walk and then you're over and you can start jumping. You but just have to be really good on timing. We always said, yeah. you know, after living in Florida this long now, we always said that after you leave the air conditioning and go outside, you have 20 minutes that your body still kind of is air conditioned till you yeah. really start to sweat. Yeah. You know, you got 20 minutes before you're really starting to feel it. You still have some residual cooling in there. Um, <laughs> well, it's and it's just wild. The like, I mean, I literally go in that indoor and I'm I'm like, I got to wear bring a light sweatshirt. Like I <laughs> wow. literally well, I always run cold anyway. So uh, and I don't mind the heat, but I will say that the heat started a lot earlier and it's hotter than last. Oh, it's hour. definitely we're hitting records this week. It's it's yeah. Yeah. you know, we're going to hit 100 I, where yeah. Emily is. It's probably going to be over 100 this week. Yeah, 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 no, it's and so, it's just like dead air too. There's even though we're getting some of these afternoon storms, it just yeah, warmer, warmer sooner, and more humid and dead. Yeah, and, and we're not the only ones. The whole country is having this pretty much right now. Yeah. Now Jennifer yeah. was just out in California, and and she was wearing a jacket because it was like in the low fifties in the morning. So wow. she, she was, it was a shock. She said, "I was freezing." <laughs> Yeah, she was. That's like winter. Yeah, yeah, fifty degrees cooler than what we're used to. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna ask Emily, what do you do when you show in this heat? Since you've been down here longer, like, and you were showing alive, and you're still alive. (laughs) Like, what do you do, like, for the horses? For you, I do. She's I like tried. not show anymore. Yeah, that's what she doesn't <laughs> show in the summer. Are you can she never leaves no, the house. I do. I, I I will. I absolutely will. Um, I, I a couple. Of, it depends what's available. Like as far as my clothes go, I will wet like my sleeves. Um, it, I'll even sometimes wet like just splash from the bucket uh, a little bit on my thighs, like on my britches, just so that I'm already a little bit wet, so I can get a little bit cool once the air starts to hit me. And then I have had a couple of horses that are really hard in the heat that they sweat, but they struggle. Um, and it's not cardiovascularly. They just, they're just not great in the heat. And unfortunately owners send them down and, and what are you going to do? And I still need to jump. So I will do a little bit the same with them. Uh, if, if there's an option, definitely warm up under a covered or in the shade, find a shady part of the schooling area, do some serpentines, whatever, stay in the shade as much as possible. Uh, for those ones that were really difficult, we would keep a little tack bucket with cool water up at the ring and a, a sponge, and we would yep. wet the inside of the back legs. They've got that huge artery that runs down, and so we could get a little bit, if we could kind of keep that cooler, then once the air hit it, then they would stay cooler. Some of mine, I would hose them down, and by, I mean, by the time I'm warmed up, they're already dry, but it at least kept them cooler, and uh it, if you're showing, you just have such little 
um, option as to when you're going to go. If you're schooling, then, you know, freaking get up early, man. Be riding at five o'clock. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No, that's what we've started to do is like, I'm on my first horse by six 30 totally. most mornings, maybe not five, but that's because it's still dark out. So, um, yeah. but I am getting up at five. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, like, you're up, you feed, yeah. you get them going early, then you need to take a break in the middle of the day. Sometimes they do need to train in that heat, though, because you yeah. show up at the horse show and it's like nobody has a thermometer. They're like, you could take your jackets off, but, you know, you already entered the class. So you're going to lose your money anyway. Are you going to jump yeah. or are you not going to jump? Yeah, we well, and jump. they just need to be fit enough to do it. Like if you're yes. expecting him to do it at the show, you're, you should be doing it lightly at home and you yeah. know what we used to do like i mean i'm really spoiled i have a treadmill so like they treadmill in the morning and stuff and we would treadmill in the afternoon now that it's hot you know they only treadmill once and mm-hmm. we double electrolyte them um we're you know my poor horse that has some breathing issues my big horse i um i actually just got him a uh, a nebulizer so I'm going to oh, yeah. try to help that, like just to get a little bit more oxygen to his muscles um, yeah. and just keep him as as healthy, like lung wise so that he can recover a lot faster because um, he's mm-hmm. like 18 hands. And he's like, I mean, he's he's very light on himself for being such a big boy, but, you know, he struggles in the heat. You can you can feel it. And. Obviously, I'm not going to show him that often. Like, I'm basically doing one week on, two weeks off, one week on, two weeks off. Just, just, I mean, he has to show. And it's not because there's a emphasis on like, oh, my God, he's selling or we have to reach this certain goal. It's literally he will stop at the in gate and he doesn't get nappy. He's very French and he just stands there and is like, hmm, so we're not going to the horse show today. Oh, Interesting. No. And like, I'll be like, no, we're flatting today. And he's like, mm, that's not really in my schedule. He's and not like, into it. He's just not into it. Like, and I'll take him hacking. It's the same thing. He's like, so we're not going to the horse show today. We're going on a trail ride. That's so funny. He loves and the like, show. He just loves to horse show. And it's like a completely different horse at, at the show versus at home. Not that he doesn't like working. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he's not being naughty. It's not like he's burnt out or anything. But he's yeah, just he like. Just, he's bored with, yeah. with the. Yeah. The, some of the smart ones. Get he like wants that adventure. To just compete. He does want exactly. adventure. Yes. I had to. I had to lock him in his stall because he let himself out the other day and was behind the barn. And it's not big enough to be behind the barn for his size. Scooter's the same way. He hates the he hates when I drive him in the ring. But out in the woods with all that crap out there, he's he's going. He's just loves adventure. Hey, guess what just came across my Facebook page? This is from the Weather Channel. It just did. So don't tell me they're not listening to us. Extreme heat is responsible for more weather-related deaths in the United States in any average year than any other hazard. Ex- I believe it. Extreme heat claims uh, almost 200 lives each year. Floodings, 88. Tornadoes are 71. Didn't you think tornadoes were more than that? Hurricanes Wait, and tropical storms are only 45. Lightning, 37. <laughs> So lightning thirty seven. It's all in Florida, by the way. The yeah, that's right. <laughs> lightning is terrifying. <laughs> Extreme oh God, heat so terrifying. Is, is the is the worst killer. Huh. That's nuts. I believe it. It's hot I here. It too, yeah. I think two thousand five uh, was an exception to that because Katrina killed like thousands of people. So oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that. They tipped the scales. There. Yeah. 
Yeah, take us a while. And, and of course, and, and you guys, we this is Florida talk. Sorry, everybody. But mm-hmm. every year, they say, we're going to have the worst hurricane year in history. Oh every so single sorry, but... year I've lived here, it's going to be the worst hurricane year I in know. history. And I'm it has been pretty long. bad, but not for Florida. You know, but every year they say it's going to be the worst one for Florida. I know. And then poor poor Louisiana has been getting knocked out every year. Um, yeah, or like people that are leaving, packing up tractor trailers and getting hit up at Tryon or yeah, I mean, the Carolinas. Yes. Or, I'm so over it. I'm like one of those Floridians now that I'm like, I'm not listening to them. I'm not getting supplies. <laughs> I'm not locking my doors. I'm not putting up the shutters. Although Kayla was not here for game. Irma, which was a scary. Oh, that was scary. Yeah, that, that was, was scary. <laughs> <laughs> I did stock up the next couple times. They said it was a big one. I was like, all righty, all righty. <laughs> all right, I'll like, take, I'll take yeah. it. And you didn't even have the worst of it down down there but it was like three sticks on the ground yeah no it was pretty bad up here (laughs) so it was was like about to be bad we were going to get the direct hit and then i mean we did have some rain and stuff but it wasn't i mean they were planning on basically like flattening wellington yeah you didn't have the 100 mile an hour winds for 24 hours like we did god yeah you guys got it bad (laughs) i can't even imagine i'm in a shed row barn where i'm at like if we get that i'm gonna have to call is it concrete block no. Oh, then you got to move somewhere else because yeah, you're not going to be. You're going to go to Charlotte's with us. I'm going to go to Charlotte's. I'm gonna <laughs> now the nice new, the nice part about our new boarding stable is they have one of those concrete block barns. That's good. Oh, that's so great. and and they have a hurricane rated roof, so they put all the reinforcements on it and all that stuff. It's um, kind of like having like five extra horse shows in the summer. You're just like, it's in the schedule. You pack up all your shit. Yeah, you get right. all the buckets. You get all the everything, all the grain, all yeah. the kids. Come on. Come on. Drive around the block. Going up for an adventure. Hey, yeah. so we got a, we have exciting for, to, well, actually, it would have been yesterday because we're recording this early. Uh, we're picking up our new Living Quarters horse trailer tomorrow. Oh my God, I'm so excited for you guys. So we'll see. You know, uh, we, we sold the camper over the weekend too. Somebody, got, oh, nice guy came out and looked at it. He was a boater from Tampa. He's, he has a couple of boats and he wants to try a new adventure. And it was so funny. This is the auditor room, so I can say this. It was so funny because I said, he's about my age, I think. And he said his wife doesn't like camping at all. I said, well, how does she feel about you getting this? She said, oh, he's she's happy when I leave. <laughs> so, like, yep, yeah. they've been married a while. Sounds <laughs> like, about right. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. So, so yeah, fun. so we sold that, and uh, wow. we're trading in the horse trailer. So it looks like this is all a go. It's going to be a it's new adventure. Happening. happening, amazing! Packing all the kids up and taking them on the road. Yeah, it's going to be a new. Ad- and then when we go, like when we in August, we're going to go out to Jamie's because we have the three thousandth episode coming up of this show, and. Oh. We're going to go out there, and we're just going to take it out. And when we use it as a camper, then we're going to take all the partitions out of the back, and we'll use that as our office and our studio. Because the back is finished. It's insulated and everything. Yeah. So uh, we'll use that as our studio in the back. We used to have um, a living quarters trailer when I lived in California, and uh, my stepmom and my dad would drive up. We'd go up to Montana and so all the kids with all their horses, like it was kind of like our summer vacation. And we go up to uh, Rebecca Farms oh, yeah. and 
we would clean out the back and my parents would stay in the front and all the kids would stay in the living quarters or like the horse part. So my parents would be in the living quarters and we'd be in the horse part that with cots and sleeping Probably bags. Like and having st- so much fun. Yeah. Like this yeah. is the well, coolest ever. We would get yelled at all the time. Like, shut up. Because we'd be like, <laughs> and like, as everything moves, the whole trailer yeah. moves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's hilarious. And, uh, that's like the best fort ever. And we didn't even care that, you know, like, I mean, we cleaned it out, but it, it still smelled like, I mean, it was a two day trip with horses all the way up there. And, you know, you'd, you'd clean it out and sweep everything up, but you didn't get under the mats and we didn't care. We're you like, know what's going to be different, though? We haven't had a gooseneck in a long time. And we used to drive big goosenecks when we worked with for Bitter Britain. He used to have the 40-foot box goosenecks yep. that we used to drive to Kentucky. So we'd driven the big goosenecks. And, but it's been 20 years, and we've had tagalongs ever since. So backing up is going to be a treat again. No, no it'll, it'll be, be easier. It'll be easier. I yeah. guarantee you. Okay. Tagalongs are just... It's, the it does back up different, though. I mean, it's, yeah, it'll back, back up, up different. It'll back up different, but it'll once you get the hang of it, it's so much easier. Like once you get back into the swing of things, of just you swing a little wider, you line up the back back end where you want it to go, and then just swoop back. And just I know I make back, it. Like, you just swoop just back. Swoop, okay, we're going to go over to Kayla's driveway to practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put out some cones. Yeah, gonna, that's right. You can go go to WEC. They go to WEC. They have those um, day parking where you have to back in. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it is amazing how many horse people cannot back up a horse trailer. It, it is. Terrifying. It's actually terrifying. And yeah. to watch them all and like they're the how they have it, the parking spots are doubles and then there's a bit of grass and then doubles. And I just I get a little nervous leaving my trailer there. I'm like, uh, am I going to hit it <laughs> pretty much? Because <laughs> yeah. They're just snaking back and you're like, oh, Ugh. and they're not they just my, the biggest uh, thing. My husband and uh, his uncle were the, my biggest helps on learning to back up is to not actually look behind you, to use your mirrors mm-hmm. and yeah. you hold the bottom of the steering wheel and you want where, where you want those back tires go, you push your hand that way towards that mirror. So if you want it to go to the left, you're holding the bottom of the steering wheel, you turn your hand and push your hand up towards the left and it'll push the, and that's just, I mean, it's always stuck with me and it's gotten me where I'm not dyslexic as much anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like a dyslexia uh, element yeah. to it. I had somebody, the way I got taught was uh, holding the wheel and which again, not looking behind you, uh, looking in your side mirrors and whichever mirror you want the trailer to disappear from, cut the wheel in that direction. Oh, that's another way to look at it. It's kind of the same yeah. thing, but different. Go yeah. Away, yeah. Go away. No, 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 no not that side. Not that side. You know what's funny is too the horse trailers back up much different than the camper did because the camper was twenty four feet and it's a big, great big box, right? Yeah. But the horse trailers about twenty two feet, and Jennifer could back up the horse trailer, but not the camper. It's because the wheels are in a different place. Yes. I was going to say, is that totally. where? Is yeah, the, the wheels are different? much further back on the horse trailer. So yeah. the camper, they're much fur- they're up further, so it turns so much different. She could not back up the camper. I had to back it yeah, up because, like, yeah, yeah the, the horse trailer, she could back up just fine. Yeah. So it is different. It's funny how it all is. There's so much different. 
mean, well, it's funny if you don't like hit somebody. <laughs> <laughs> we were at Disney. Subject. When we got the camper, one of the first places I wanted to go because I'd camped there as a kid was to, and it's very expensive, down to Fort Wilderness at Disney World. Oh, yeah. And that's like the nicest campground in the country, right? Because yeah. uh, it's like $150 a night, but it's beautiful. So we get there and we see it's one of the things at campgrounds is everybody loves this. It's a spectator sport to watch other people back into their spots. <laughs> yeah. It's a spect- Everybody gets their chairs out. They sit down. They get their beers out. <laughs> this guy came in with a huge fifth wheel. Must have been 42, 43 feet, foot long. And those spots are loaded with trees. And we could we could saw, see him through the woods. We saw him coming in, and we hear all the the yelling, <laughs> the backing up and everything. And there's lots more yelling and then more backing. And you hear the truck going back and forth. And then all of a sudden, you hear the crunch. Oh, no! <laughs> I hate that. Like, oh, no. Okay, that tree <laughs> took out the something on the camper. Oh my gosh. And anytime you hear a crunch on a camper, it's $10,000. That's great right, yep. because that baby crunches. <laughs> Not as bad as in the horse trailer, but no. the camper crunch is a different kind of crunch. Yeah. You're replacing Jeez. a whole back or a whole side. Yeah. Or... <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm excited for you all. You're moving on away. You're moving back into that horse trailer life, living quarters. Yep. I love it. And actually, it'll give us more room too when we're recording on the road because it'll give us the whole back area. So yeah, it'll be more room than we actually. It'll be less room for camping in the front, but more room for spreading out in the back. So yeah. more room for activities. Now it's going to be interesting because we have to get a special contraption that hooks to the back of the horse trailer that's on hinges that to put the cart on. Yes, because we I've always put the cart those. in the truck. Yeah, so yeah. they're actually on hinges. The cart sits facing up, and then the whole thing opens. Uh, with the cart on it and all, and then you can get the oh, horses wow. in and out, and then you close it when you're traveling down the road. So in an emergency, you could open the whole thing back up uh, to get the horses out pretty quickly. But yeah, that ain't cheap either, by the way. <laughs> no, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, I got this cool thing um, that maybe would have helped with Kayla's situation and maybe will help with your future situation, but it's an attachment that goes on just a regular old garden hose and it turns it into a pressure washer. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's not as strong as, you know, one of the big boys, but it's plenty strong. And you can really, you can, there's different nozzles on there. You can get it on Amazon. It's like 20 bucks. Huh. I was doing yeah, the Yeah, because we don't have a pressure washer. Right? And yeah. who's going to carry one around and, and all that? Yeah, no, it's a little attachment. just goes on. And they've got other attachments to change like the stream and stuff but you can totally like get under mats and do what you well, need to do with gas prices the way they are these days i might be if i do travel to horse shows i might be staying in my trailer so i might need that. <laughs> you clean out that we're all crazy right i mean it's like the gas is crazy and whatever and we're all just like we're still going to the horse show i'm still going but i just <laughs> won't stay like who needs right. air conditioning although i bed? am seeing people posting now because i have a lot of facebook friends uh, and a lot in the camping world there's a lot of people it's the first time i've seen people saying we're changing our plans we're staying closer to home even horse people saying they're showing mm-hmm. closer to home uh, uh, yes, yeah. it's I true. talked to clients the other day and I was like, hey, so, I mean, we could go to these dates, but WEC just added two more dates to the fall. So why don't we just take 
take a couple extra weeks off and just wait, and then we don't have to drive anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. for us to have done the trip we did last year, the big trip, um, it cost us about $1,000 in fuel to do the 4,500 miles that we did. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and it now would be, be like 3,000 plus 3, this year. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yep. yeah, no, it's crazy. It's even, even trying to book shipping. Um, I did have a couple of these horses sell that went, one went to Long Island, one went to Georgia, one went out to uh, Massachusetts. And um, it's, it's hard to even book a, book a trailer because the shippers, they want to fill the truck. They don't want to go with singles. Well, or have novels. they tripled their rates? And they have. It used to be a dollar a mile's going rate, and now it's at least $2 a mile, if not more. Well, they have to. They would just yeah. be out of business. To. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then the, the the buyers and the owners are complaining, well, I can't believe it. Why am I spending, you know, $3,000 or whatever to get the horse up here? And it's just like, you know, well, bag of grain is 60 world, bucks. Huh? What do you want? Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> well, and honestly, what people don't understand is with that, they they aren't factoring in the wear and tear on the vehicle, mm. yeah. the the insurance that they have to carry, the payments for the truck and trailer that they also have to pay for, plus the fuel on top of that, all just to get your horse. Like th- that's all factored the in. Amphetamines to stay awake for three. Yeah, days exactly. <laughs> Those are expensive, especially when you don't have an actual. Pre- prescription. <laughs> right, or a second driver. I mean, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that you know, whatever. The uh, this is the longest post show in history, actually, of the Horse Radio Network. So (laughs) we're going to go now. This is like my world's (laughs) converging. It really is because because (laughs) because Emily is like my little sister and has been forever. I've known her forever, and. She has been my like my little sister. We actually we call each other that. So that's true, and we get sick at the same time, which is yeah. Awkward, I mean, we but, you know, <laughs> and we can talk forever. And then Kale has become one of my best friends ever. And Kale is awesome. And the I two worlds collide. It's great. I, like I it. know. I know. Well, poor Jen last time was like. Yeah, she was sick of your two shit. She was really tired of your shit. Dude, she was done. You're nicer to us. We like you, Glenn. I know. Glenn gets on the tangent. Jennifer's just like, get the fuck off the phone. I'm just done. I know. We were just taking like felines left, right. We're all over the place. It's like like hurting cats. All right. Say goodbye, everybody. We love you. Goodbye. See you soon.